So for the first part of the gospel lesson, it comes from Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then the second one, um, it comes from Acts 17, verse 16 through 34. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching good, the good news about Jesus and the res- resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know, may we know what this new teaching is what is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now that now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this by, to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men began, became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Right. Hello, everybody. Good morning. So I was a little bit nervous to come and talk to you today, but I've gotten over it. I mean, you guys are all just, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Amen? Right. Thanks. I needed that. <laughs> And besides, I mean, if you didn't want to hear me talk, it's in the bulletin. You could have left by now. <laughs> so the verse that I want to talk to you about today is Romans 1.16, as you heard earlier. It states, For I am unashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God which brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It sums up everything you need to know. I mean, there's even a Christian hip-hop group which named themselves after... Romans 116. They're led by 
Grammy award-winning artist Lecrae. And I don't know if that's your thing. I just wanted to mention it as a, a popular culture reference, you know. I think they're, they're just a really good representation of what the verse means because in a culture where women, money, and power is cool, they're speaking up for themselves and they're, <laughs> they're being unashamed of the gospel for sure. But in my life, that's often a problem. In church, it's easy to be a Christian. Everybody shares your faith. Everybody shares your beliefs. But in church, um, outside of church, in school, at work, wherever you might be, it's a lot harder. <laughs> Everybody persecutes you because of your faith. Where you know, church culture is a bit of a minority. There aren't. If you're praying outside of church, if you're reading the Bible, anything like that, you're going to get some weird stares. People just don't approve of it for some reason. And especially as a teen for me, that's a, not a good thing because I'm trying to find my place in the world as I grow up and being an outcast isn't, isn't exactly where I want to be. So to avoid that, to avoid being an outcast in society, sometimes we become what they call lukewarm Christians, which is just a reference to Crazy Love Bible Study, which I did a couple years back. And for you, those of you that don't know about it, I'll give you the profile of a lukewarm Christian. They are people that gauge their morality by comparing themselves to the secular world instead of God's morals. They, they give God only part of their lives, their money, time, and effort, but God's not allowed to control them. He's not allowed to change them. And most importantly, the main point I was getting to, that they don't speak up for their faith outside of church. And that's a problem because clearly in the gospel, many times it says you'd be outspoken in your faith. It says in the book of James, you must be doers of the word, not only hearers who mislead themselves. And also in Matthew it says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So, like Pastor Mike says, if it's in the gospel more than one time, then it's going to be important. And obviously it's mentioned multiple times. It's a very important rule. So, how are you going to speak up in a, such a hostile environment outside of the church? That's a good question, right? It's, it's hard to do. You just have to believe in yourself and know that your faith is correct. You have to not change your faith for other people. And you have to remember that God is so much enormously, ridiculously more important than doubts you would have about speaking with your faith outside. So don't be unashamed of spreading his word. And don't let other people outside the church change your faith, but make it known and own it, just as Paul did in the book of Acts, which Dan shared, which I will let him speak now. Good morning. You know, um, I said this in the first service, but I'll um, take an opportunity to say it again. Um, you know, I've always wanted to sit in that chair back there. <laughs> I feel like the emperor from um, Star Wars, almost, except um, not as evil. You know, um, I've been wanting to get up here for such a long time now and um, speak to you guys. There we go. Yeah, I've um, been wanting to get up here for a long while now and speak to you guys. And um, 
However, there have been some, um, we can say delays, um, between you and me. Again, I said this at the first service. Sorry, I'm having quite a bit of problems with this. Um, I said this at the first service, but um, I think Pastor Mike might have been a little scared I'd give him a run for his money. <laughs> also between you and me, because um, Mike's not present, look who's finally up here. <laughs> he, he can't know I said that. He can't know, and I mean, if I find out, then he found out. I'm going to be in the Marine Corps. I will find you. <laughs> so, um... I want all of you to do me a favor if you can. Um, close your eyes. And don't worry, we're not going to like snatch your wallet. No, but um, close your eyes. Um, I want you to do me a favor and put yourself in Paul's shoes. Imagine that you're in Greece, in Athens to be exact. You know, you've been walking around the city and observing all these statues and pieces that the people call gods. All of a sudden, people start staring at you. You know, they notice something's different. And that the God that you're talking about isn't like any of the gods they know. They come up to you, and they ask you what you believe. No more than that, they take a hold of you and plop you right center stage in the middle of their speaking assembly. Everyone's attention is on you. Can you imagine walking into this room of foreigners and preaching about how God is more important than these things they worship as if they're gods? without any training or preparation other than what's in your head. You know, you can open your eyes. Such a thing in today's world, well, that'd be unheard of, wouldn't it? Idols have changed, but their effect is the same. Things like statues and totems have faded out of the picture, but don't misunderstand, idol tree is still present. Media, technology, sports, Money, sex. Haven't they spawned an infatuation in our culture that's accompanied by things like greed and adultery? Yet these things, though, as appealing as they may be, are nothing in comparison to God, I tell you. I mean, let's, let's take money, for instance. It can do almost anything, right? I mean, it buys us homes, cars, clothes, food, it pays the bills and allows us to live comfortable lives. For some who have a little more, maybe even a vacation home in the Mediterranean. Um, <laughs> what vacation home could be complete, though, without a yacht and, of course, a cherry red Ferrari? Of course. I mean, think about it. We are always seeking the newest, the fastest, the coolest, the shiniest, and the best in everything the things we think will make us the envy of those around us, the things that seem to define our position in this world and, you know, somehow give us our own worth. Yet money for all can buy cannot purchase your salvation or extend your life by a single second. One day it's here. The next day it's gone. So why do we keep chasing after it? You know, our place is not defined by what we've got. You think God sees that you have the newest iPhone and says, I want that person in my kingdom. Depends on who you ask, I guess. But God cares um, not about what you have, but who you are. And who are we? And what must have been maybe five minutes, Paul tells us that we are God's offspring. 
We live and move and have our being in God. So consider this. When we have money, no matter what the amount, it is only in loan to us. What we do with it is, of course, up to us. If we throw it into the fire and spend it on things that are insubstantial and have absolutely no value at the end of the day, that's our choice. But if we take that money, that seed, and instead of burning it, tuck it into the ground, wouldn't it only make sense that it would grow to be something greater than what we planted? Because God allows those who sow abundantly in his kingdom to reap abundantly. So that when the harvest is collected, it can be used to plant even more fully the next time around. Money is not something to be hoarded over or burned, but to be given joyfully in God's name. So all things like money you see are only in loan to us. We don't own anything. What we do with these things loaned to us is again up to us. Our lives and our time are only in loan to us. And one day we're going to have to repay what we've been given. To quote Paul, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. So one day we're all going to have to go before God's throne and repay what he gave us. And when God asks you, how have you used the things I've given you? You know, how have you used the time I've given you? What will your answer be? Can you imagine if we all lived our lives in a way that sought, sought to make that answer truly amazing? If we lived in a way that treated him like he was the absolute only thing that mattered to us. And that our greatest hope in life was to pursue him and thirst for him. To spend endless hours of every day gleaning at him like we do other things because there was just so much we could see. You know, I've, I've tried my best in my life to live like that. Have I been perfect? I think that's another case of it depends upon who you ask. But in truth, no, I haven't. But I want God to know and see that in all things I tried. That I tried for him and not for me that I gave for him and not for me, that I spoke for him and sacrificed everything for him and not for me, especially when speaking up is more costly than remaining silent. There have been times when I've uh, fallen in that pursuit, and it's felt like the end of the world. There have been times when I've wondered, you know, why can't I just fit into this world, God? Why can't I give up your ways because your ways are not their ways? And they look at me like I'm a freak or they laugh and mock me when I support you and stand up for what you tell us to do. Well, let me tell you something. This world tries its hardest to get you down. Now, rather, the one who's in this world tries his hardest to get you down. Because it's easiest when you're feeling vulnerable to cave and give up on God's ways. Giving up is so easy, and that's what the enemy wants. Because maybe you won't raise your voice ever again then. But God doesn't count how many times you've fallen, but how many times you've gotten back on your feet and tried again. And let me tell you something, there will never be a time 
when you won't have the strength to rise up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Paul was right, brothers and sisters, and idols do still exist. If your biggest struggle is letting go of something like money that ultimately will not determine your fate, or if you find your value as a being, as God's offspring in what you possess, what makes you coolest, I'm sorry, but you're just missing out on so much more. You're letting the real treasures that are out there evade your grasp. Because believe it or not, God may not always seem like he's the newest or the shiniest. And I don't know if it's just me, but definitely not the fastest. But he is all of these things. And I hope this isn't news to you, but he's the best thing we can possess. That we can let possess us. A wise man once said, always bear in mind that your own resolution to succeed is more important than that of any other. With a philosophy such as that, would it be hard to imagine that this man was an extremely successful lawyer and politician? With a career repertoire that included serving more than eight years in the Illinois House of Representatives, two more in the U.S. House of Representatives, and even winning the election for the presidency of the United States itself. You know, while that might seem like a no-brainer, what if I were to tell you that he did so while juggling indecisiveness amongst his closest advisors, people who were supposed to support him when he needed them most, that he did so while juggling clinical depression, which was a result of the death of his two sons well before their time, and that he did so while struggling and juggling the secession of states from a frail and crumbling union. Well, that man's name was, of course, Abraham Lincoln. And he was able to do all of that because of God. Believe it or not, Abraham Lincoln also once said, Sir, my greatest concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. It brings new meaning to the phrase, in God we trust, doesn't it? So like the Apostle Paul, like Abraham Lincoln, we have to be ready and willing to raise our voice for God's cause for a change. Even in the face of great obstacles we'd really rather not face. You know, I, I don't know what time you'll be called to talk. I can't tell you what you'll be called to speak up about. It won't always be comfortable. It'll probably never be on terms we find agreeable. But what I can tell you is this. He will make sure you're prepared to speak when his spirit moves within you. Because that world of treasure I told you about, well, speaking up's only the start. Ultimately, it's about living up. Abraham Lincoln will always be remembered as the president who united our nation and did so even when half the country was against him by freeing the slaves from bondage. And the Apostle Paul, who was a sinner saved by grace, who went from persecuting and destroying Christians to creating and inspiring them. When we live and move and have our being in God well, like I said, you can't even begin to imagine the riches that lie in wait for you then. Like I said... 
God allows those who sow abundantly in his kingdom to reap abundantly. And that's true for more than just money. It's true for all the things lent to us. Like I said, for him and not for me. Remember that. Amen.